I was uh, only slightly disappointed that Jeff didn't have on his uh, really colorful shirt today, uh, but he said that he did that so he wouldn't be a target. But I just want to remind you that's just one area that you can be targeted. You know, there are many, many others. Uh, no, it, it really is a delight to be back here. I am sorry that uh, Gary Jr. couldn't join us. Uh, he's been looking forward to being here and uh, he has had his ups and downs over the last couple of months. And uh, I want to thank you also for the uh, uh, pastor's appreciation and the birthday. Some ask me how old I am. I'm 39 with a few years experience thrown in there. And uh, actually I was all by myself in Orlando. I was down there for a, a conference and uh, uh, I had breakfast with a friend, and they sang happy birthday to me. Well, I should actually tell you, before I left home, Anne and the family made my birthday cake, made my special dinner, so we kind of had that there. And then I went to uh, Orlando, and my friend joined me for breakfast, and the people there in the, reference, uh, in the uh, uh, restaurant all sang happy birthday to me. And that night, I got to go to see the uh, opening day of their Orlando Magics. Now, usually when I go to a sporting event, I'm up in the nosebleed section. Well, now I'm right in the box seat, right in the middle with all the food lined up. It kind of ruins you, you know, after that. And uh, so I come here today, and uh, you remember my birthday and uh, give us a little gift. So we want to say thank you very much. You, you are a very dear congregation of people to me. I think of you often, and uh, uh, there are a number of you that we uh, uh, keep ongoing uh, connections. Uh, uh, Jeff and I serve on a board. We're going to have a meeting, I guess, in a couple of weeks, and I don't know whether I'll be there or whether you'll be there, but we'll at least be together for that. And uh, so it's, uh, this is a special place, and I, I'm so encouraged that when I saw your bulletin that you're taking on the debt Weilers. You know, I met them a couple of years ago when I did a training uh, session down there in Texas, and uh, just delightful folks. And uh, I am uh, thrilled that they are on their way to Canada and that you guys are going to be part of that. Uh, so that was, a, that was a great encouragement to me. Well, I, I want to ask you to turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read through chapter 4 in just a moment, but I, I need to kind of orient you to that. Uh, I, I heard the story of uh, an uncle that went to uh, watch his... Uh, what's happening here? Am I doing something? Uh, oh, up here? I need to get that out. Maybe it's a little too close. How's that better? Okay, we'll see if that works. Uh, anyhow, an uncle went to watch his nephew uh, play in a baseball game, and he got there and he saw on the scoreboard that uh, his nephew's team was down 21 to nothing. And uh, so he went over to his nephew. He wasn't out playing. He was on the bench. And he said, you know, this looks bad. Are you discouraged? He said, oh, no, we're not discouraged. We had not got up yet. Uh, now, do you, you hear that? When we get our turn at bat, you know, we're going to go to town. Now, I want to just have you think about that for a moment I've entitled the message, Focused for Ministry. Focused for Ministry. And we, we think about focus, if, if you have the, the, something projected on the screen, you know what it's like when it's out of focus? 
and it's kind of fuzzy, it's blurry, it's annoying. You know, you, you want the thing in focus so you can read that clearly. If you ever uh, 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 watch a, a professional golf, there are thousands of people, but the guy on the tee blocks all of that out and he's focused on one thing, you know, and that's hitting the ball on the right side of the fairway, wherever that is. I remember when I was a student in school, the uh, big deal was getting your homework done and doing it well, and in our house that meant no distractions, no TV, no radio, no anything. I sat at my desk and I did my homework so that I could focus on that so other things wouldn't get my attention. When I come into uh, most meetings, uh, services, or whatever, I always come up front. And I come up front uh, so that I'm not distracted by the, all the other people there, you know? And it lets me get my focus on that. So I want to give you just a, a, an off-the-top-of-my-head definition of what I'm talking about. What do I mean by focus? It is the discipline of giving our full attention to the task at hand. And it usually involves uh, removing or minimizing the distractions that would keep us from accomplishing whatever our purpose or whatever the task is. So let me say that again. I want you to know where I'm going. Focus is the discipline of giving full attention to the task at hand. Okay? Full attention. Uh, everything about us is focused on that. Now, when we come to this passage in 2 Corinthians, I've got to give you a, a quick overview. 1 Corinthians is about a church that is just bubbling up with spiritual life and vitality, but they got all kinds of problems. And so he addresses concerning this and concerning this and concerning this. And one of the main problems in Corinth were the false teachers that had snuck in. These are not even Christians, and they're trying to pull people away. All of 2 Corinthians is a response to that in various ways. And so when you come to 2 Corinthians, he begins with one of my favorite passages, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our struggles. And he talks about how God equips us to minister to others by taking us through difficult things that will equip us so that we can empathize and sympathize with those that have gone through similar things. And then he goes on to talk about the uh, brother that had sinned, that you ought to restore him and, and not continue to uh, uh, put a lot of pressure on him. And then in chapter 2 and 3, he talks about uh, uh, ministry, the ministry of the new covenant. I, I love this section. He talks about being led in triumph. In chapter 3, he says that not that we're competent to claim anything from ourselves. Our competence comes from God. He made us ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. And then what follows is one of my most favorite of all of my favorites. That makes sense. Uh, uh, let me pull that out a little. Is that, is that where I'm having the problem? Okay. Uh, this section on the ministry, the old covenant and the new covenant. You know, if you, uh, if you look at that, uh, he's going to say in verse 7, if the ministry that brought death was engraved, 
and he's going to go through a whole series of ministry things about Old Covenant and New Covenant, how the Old Covenant, the veil is over their face, they can't see that. And then he ends with my favorite of all of my favorites in verse 18, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, chapter 4 begins, therefore. Now, you, you can't understand where he's going here if you haven't followed up to this point. So he's talking about the glory of this new covenant ministry compared to some of the deficits and the problems with that of the old. And he's going to say, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Now, if you go to the end of the chapter, verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Okay? Now, it's like a bookend. We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. And the stuff in between is going to open that up. And so I want to challenge you. I want to speak to you today about this very thing of not losing heart. The fact is, God has given a ministry the Grace Bible Fellowship, and to you as families, to you as individuals. And one of the challenges is that we stay focused, that we don't lose heart, that we don't allow the problems, the disappointments, the difficulties to distract us so that we're no longer doing the task. You ever done that? You know, I, I go out to clean up the garage. You know, and then there's one thing that I see that I need to put away. Well, I was going to fix that in the toilet downstairs, so I stop and I go do that, and then I go back and, and start, and there's something else, and after two hours, I only have four things put away in the garage. You ever been there? Well, that's a lack of focus. And I want to say to you, I believe that's a common problem that we have in our day because the world around us is clamoring for our attention and there's more than just the world that's there. It's the flesh that's inside and then it's Satan and his minions that are constantly at work. And he is going, Satan is going to invest himself in doing everything that he can to keep your focus away from the task, from the ministry that God has called you to. And so Paul here is going to do all that he can to bring their attention back to uh, 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 the, the ministry, the, the task that God has appointed to them. Now, let's read the text together. With that in mind, let's listen and see what it says. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, 
let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing glory is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Now here's the summary. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, the things you whine about, the things you complain about, the things that you think are overwhelming, nobody you know, has gone through this, nobody knows the trouble I got, nobody knows but Jesus. What does he call them? Light, temporary, momentary. Our light and momentary troubles. Now it doesn't feel like that. That's why we got to stay focused. We can't let those things get our attention. Light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. Is that a way about talking about focus? When we focus something, isn't that what we're doing? We fix our eyes not on what is seen. That's the stuff, the task, the housework, the car repair. We focus not on what is seen but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we ask this morning that you would enable us to hear your clear voice in the section that's before us. And Father, we pray this morning that you would give us uh, 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 eyes that will stay focused on your plan, your purpose, the task that you set before us. We pray, Father, this morning that you would enable us to focus our hearts and our minds and intentions to hear you speak. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me see if I can unfold this to you as, as God has kind of put this on my heart. I really believe that Grace Bible Fellowship has been given uh, some ministry task. You know, the, the, the church, this fellowship has been going for 30 years. You know, just recently we enjoyed celebrating 30 years together. And its purpose is not just to exist. Your purpose is to minister. Remember what Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to do all the things 
that I've commanded you to do. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you this morning to think about that task and to stay focused on that. There are three points to my message. Getting in focus, staying in focus, and renewing our focus. Okay? Uh, Getting focused, uh, uh, making sure that, that we have things that are clear, not blurry, not fuzzy. And so it, this is about the discipline of giving full attention to the task that's at hand. Now that is a common problem. Go back and read the book of Jeremiah. They didn't give God their full attention. They weren't listening. There were other things that had their attention. And so I want to ask you, what is it that keeps your attention? What is it that shapes and drives your life? This passage is going to remind us that we are not to lose heart, but we are to get things in focus to the ministry that God has called us to. You understand, I'm not bringing this in, I'm not importing that idea. That's at the very center of, of 2 Corinthians. If we went farther through Corinthians, particularly chapter 10 through 13, you'd see this is finally, he opens this up and he shows, can, can we just go to this and let me get rid of this? Uh, I, I hate, to, I see people, uh, you're, you're popping in your seat, you know, when I pop up here and... Uh, I'm going to set this down, and I'll use this if we can. Is that okay, Aaron? You got us going there? Okay. Uh, then uh, you'll, you'll be able... I don't. Maybe we should leave it on. I don't know if I want them to relax too much. You know, that popping gets them going. Anyhow, uh, the, the point is, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't feel like this is overwhelming. But stay focused. Stay enthused. Stay motivated. That's where Paul and his ministry team is coming from. You, you, you know what it's like when you start a diet. The first three days, oh, you're great. Two weeks into it, you're struggling. Uh, four weeks later, what diet? Uh, I'm on a seafood diet now. I, I change my diet. Whatever food I see, I eat. You know, uh, it, It's not easy because there are all of these things that are going to challenge us. They're going to distract us. And so I really want you to get this in your head. Focus is about giving my full attention to the task, to the ministry that God has assigned to me, to us as Grace Bible Fellowship, to the evangelical church in America. Okay, that's the focus, giving God our full attention, giving our full attention to the task that's before us. And so he's going to say in this passage, since through God's, uh, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. Through pastoral ministry, through many years, I can't tell you the number of people that have lost heart. They've lost heart in their marriage. They've lost heart in their job. They've lost heart in, in disciplining and nurturing their children. That is one of Satan's greatest effective tools, just that we lose heart. We just kind of give up and say, you know, nobody is going to be able to survive this. But listen to this. What's his rationale? Since through God's mercy, we've been given this ministry 
It's not like I volunteered for this. You know, it's not like I won some kind of a, you know, a, a, a championship and, and the, the, the benefit was I get now to do ministry. No, this in God's mercy, he gave to Grace Bible Fellowship, to each of your families, to each of you as individuals, he gave you this ministry right here in LaSalle, Peru to make disciples in LaSalle, Peru, uh, to see those people baptized. I still expect to come and see every seat fill and, you know, see this place brimming with people. I continue to have hope that God is going to do that. When I first came here a couple of years, three years ago now, uh, you were all a discouraged bunch of folks. Half of you were thinking about going someplace else. Your pastor left, and you know, and so I agreed to come for 60 to 90 days to help you find a pastor, and 15 months later, uh, uh, Tyler and Alyssa show up. And they've been here a couple of years now. And uh, it's so encouraging, the things that I hear about what's happening there. And so I don't want you to lose focus. I don't want you to lose heart because there's lots of things that will come up that will be distracting. So he says in this passage, we can't lose heart because God gave us this ministry. What, what we're doing is not a task that we chose. It's a task that God assigned to us. We are called to this. And so he says, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful things. Uh, uh, we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Now, what is he saying here? Uh, uh, simply that in order to stay focused, there are some things that have to be put out of the way, some things that have to be removed some things that have to be, he uses the word renounced. So the way you do ministry, he says, we want you to know as we're doing this ministry, there are some things we've renounced. Now, let me explain. The kingdom of God is going to be a kingdom that operates on the basis of openness and transparency and truth. Satan's kingdom is shrouded in secrecy and in darkness and deception. So we have two different, very different approaches. If you live in the darkness, you're going to be ineffective. You know, if there is that transparency and that openness where the sunshine comes in and, and moves away. Any of you heard anything about troubles in Washington, D.C.? You know, about the FBI and the CIA and Congress and, and all of the stuff that's going on. You ever get the sense that uh, there's some shrouding of the truth, some secretive things, some things that they, they don't want everybody to know all of that? And, you know, as little guys, we don't always know what's going on. But that is Satan's tool. And so he says, in order to do this ministry, the way that I get into focus is, first of all, I renounce the secret things of shame. The things that are shrouded in darkness, that are, that are hiding, that we cover over. We want to be open and we want to be transparent. And let me tell you, one of the, the problems that, that, that I see again and again is we all want to pretend everything's fine. Oh, I'm cool. I'm good. You know, I'm walking with the Lord. i got a you know, Christian smile on my face. The fact is you're all a mess, you know, and I'm a mess. And let's stop pretending everything's okay. No, it's not. 
It's a mess, and we need to be open. We need to be able to ask people not to pray for my bunion, but to pray for the fact that my wife's been irritating me for the last two weeks and we've hardly spoken. You know, when do you hear somebody give that kind of prayer request? In fact, uh, there are times, I don't remember if I did it here, we would have prayer meetings that were body-free prayer meetings, that body part. You can't talk about, you know, somebody's uh, kidney or somebody's uh, hearing or somebody's bunion. We're going to talk about spiritual things, okay? So we, he's going to say we have to get rid of those things and there needs to be an openness a freedom man this this is it's like uh, 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 the doctor over here works in a hospital well people don't go to a hospital you know sick people go there so if you go to see a doctor there must be something wrong you know and and the same thing is true in life let's stop pretending we're all great no, we're not. We're struggling. But the openness allows others to share in that rather than pride kind of protecting us from that. This allows us to be open and say, boy, I really need your prayers. I'm really struggling in the situation in my job. I'm really struggling. My, my, uh, I've been angry at God because of one, two, three. We don't do that enough. And so he says, as we carry out this ministry... We have renounced secret and shameful ways. And he says two things. We don't use deception. We're, we're not going to try to paint a false picture. And we're not going to distort the word of God. Now, those are two things that are essential to getting in focus. Stop deceiving. Stop projecting an image that you want people to see. And start being open. Start being real. And secondly, don't distort the word of God. Let the word of God speak in all of its directness and all of its power. And you see the contrast here, the, the openness that he talks about commending ourselves before God to everyone else's conscience, setting out the truth plainly. You see that? The, the Grace Bible Fellowship is never going to be in focus uh, until there is this openness. You know, this, we, we want to be open to one another. We, we want to be honest. We, we don't want to be deceptive. We, we don't want to put on a, a, a manufactured mask and project something that we want other people to see us at. It's easy in our world today to have the plastic mask and determine that we're going to project a certain image and... Paul says, no, not doing that. Uh, you only get in focus by openness, by transparency, by truth, by setting the word of God out clearly and the truth plainly. But now he goes on, and I want to suggest he moves a bit now to staying in focus. We got to get in focus, but once you're in focus, you can get out of focus. Okay, And the reality is the Christian life and the ministry of Great Bi uh, Grace Bible Fellowship is not like a walk in the park, but it's like war. Do you realize there's a spiritual war going on? 
Satan's doing everything that he can to undermine every effort that you make as a church to stay focused on ministry. He wants to get your focus off ministry. And he wants to get them focused on uh, uh, being critical of somebody in your fellowship that talks too much or doesn't talk enough or talks too loud or talks too soft. I mean, anybody here, we can put you up and we can find a lot of reasons to criticize you. And you can easily do that with your leaders. Every leader's flawed. Remember? Mark it down. We're all a mess. Get rid of this stuff. We're all okay. No, we're all a mess. And so you can put anybody up and you can attack them and you can point out the weaknesses to that. And he is going to say, listen, there is constant resistance. And Satan's focus is to get you out of focus, okay? And so he's going to say this in one of those powerful statements in the scripture. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Down in the next verse, he's going to call them unbelievers. So he's talking about what Satan does with unbelievers. So if our gospel is veiled, that is, it's not open and clear, it's because that Satan is constantly at work. Listen to what it says. Uh, uh, it's veiled to those who are perishing, the God of this age... Now, Satan is not really God. You know, it's not a capital G. It's a little g there. He's a squatter. He has no legitimate authority. But the God of this age has blinded, now what? The eyes? Know what it says? No. He's blinded what? The minds of unbelievers. He doesn't want the truth to get through. It's shrouded in darkness and secrecy. There's a cover over that. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Why? He has a purpose behind that. By the way, Satan stays focused. You know, he's always focused on achieving that end so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now we could take a whole month just talking about that verse. What does Satan not want you to see? Satan does not want you to see light. That's why he lives in the dark world. Men love darkness because their deeds are evil. Remember John 3? He doesn't want you to see the light of the gospel. What is Grace Bible Fellowship all about? It's gospel-centered. Your task is to take the gospel and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. So what does Satan want to do? He wants to blind the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel. But he doesn't stop there. What does he say? Of the glory of Christ. You know, people see sweet little Jesus boy. Well, that's not the message of the scripture. He's not sweet little Jesus boy. He is the Lord God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. We see him at the right hand of the throne. All glory. Remember what it says? All authority has been given to him. All glory now emanates from him. He is the king. And friends, listen. If you don't keep that in your heart and mind, if you don't stay focused on that, it's going to look like Congress is king, or it's going to look like the United Nations is king, or it's going to look like uh, Russia and Putin is king. No, they're not. 
Jesus Christ is king. Satan's going to do everything that he can to smudge that, to get that out of focus so you grow despairingly of the world we live in. And I tell you, I, I've been tracking for the last couple of years what's going on in politics. And it would be so easy for me to just become critical, negative, to give up and say, there is no way they're going to get to the bottom of any of these investigations they're doing. Where's that come from? Satan. He wants to blind our minds so we can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. And notice how he finishes that out who is the image of God. God made Adam in his own image, but Jesus Christ is the ultimate image. You want to know what God is like? You remember in John 14, one of his disciples said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Remember what he said? What do you mean show you the Father? Look at me. You know, I am the Father. If you want to see the Father, look at me. I and the Father are one. And so the, the, the goal that Satan has is to besmirch all of that, you know, to, to, to turn it sour, to, to, to get you to give up and throw in the towel. And he's saying, man, don't do it. Satan, uh, the god of this age, is blinding the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, let me ask you a very honest question. Is that constantly before you? That every day you get up, you see through the mist and you know the glory of God is there. You know that Christ is seated on the throne. You know that things are moving according to uh, his plan. Is that what drives your world? Or is it all the other things? The car's broken down. I've got to face a hard meeting at work, work tomorrow morning and so on and so on and so on. What does it look like? I want to encourage you to get focused and to stay focused because Satan's doing everything that he can to get us away from that. Now, in verse 5, uh, I, I love the, the way that, that he moves into this. He says, we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. You heard the term celebrity pastors? Today, there are some celebrity pastors. Boy, they write a book and they're going to sell 50,000 copies the first day because they're a celebrity pastor. And there were those that saw Paul as a celebrity pastor. We belong to Paul. And what does, he, uh, what does the scripture have to say? What, what is he going to say to us here? We're not preaching ourselves. But we're preaching Jesus Christ as Lord. You see that, how that has to be the center of this? What's Satan doing? He doesn't want you to see the glory of Christ. But he turns around and says, we're not preaching ourselves, but we're preaching Jesus Christ as Lord. You're, you're not following a moral code. You're not following a denominational uh, uh, initiative. You're following a person, Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here. We're not preaching ourselves. We're preaching Jesus Christ as Lord, and he says, ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's the ministry. You know, the ministry that God's given us is to preach Jesus Christ. And then my favorite of all of my favorite, favorite verses is right here 
in verse 6. Now, this is about renewing our focus, I think, in some way. We, we got to get it. We got to keep it. But at times, it has to be renewed. I love this verse. God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Now, what's he talking about? You remember creation? There's nothing. Have you ever seen light shine out of darkness? Darkness doesn't produce light, okay? Uh, light has to shine into it. But he's saying something. I'm scratching my head. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Well, creation ex nihilo, out of nothing. God simply spoke, let there be light. And there is light. Where did that come from? It comes from God who dwells in inapproachable light. Jesus Christ is the light of the word. The spirit of God is the light, you know, that, that brings this to us. And so I love this phrase. In the darkness, nothing exists. And a word and a whole universe leaps into being. And at the center of it is light. Now, that's a powerful picture. If you want to see that, you got to read the Chronicles of Narnia. And you got to read the picture of Aslan walking along, and he's, he's not just words, he's singing a song. And he hits a high note, and, you know, here is, a, you know, a, a, a bumblebee, and he hits a low note, and here is the, you know, the elephant with his trunk swaying. And as he sings the song, a world comes into being. Uh, all of the brilliant scientists are like fools when they try to explain all of that with magnetic forces or something else. And the scripture has a clear, out of darkness, light just burst forth. And now it's not just that we see the light, it's that we see everything there is through the light that God provided. Now watch, but it gets even better. If you think this is amazing, out of nothing, light just erupts and creates a world and, and changes everything. But now watch what it says. The God who said, light, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts. Now what's that all about? You know, this is not about us seeing with physical light. This is a metaphor that he's talking about the grace of God, the person of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, all of those things, he is going to shine that light into our hearts. Why? Because we're dark. You go through and read the scripture, and sin has darkened our minds and our hearts and our conscience, but God, who said in the past, let there be light, takes that light and he shines it in our heart. I'm so grateful. About 66 years ago, God shined his light into my heart when I was a four-year-old boy in a visiting vacation Bible school, and suddenly the things that I had heard, I was in church from probably the second week I was born, and it was at that point that the light shined in my heart, and I understood my sin, and I understood the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
My friends, listen, this is what God's doing. He's going to take his light, this light that just erupted in the world, and he's going to narrow it in. When, when I was a kid, we, we got this uh, lens. It was about uh, maybe eight inches across, and it was about two inches thick. And we found out if we took that out on a sunny day, uh, I won't go into the gory details, but we could take a, a twigs and we would burn, the, that, we'd start a fire in 15 seconds. You know, because you take eight inches of light and you zero it down, you focus to that little beam, you know, and a couple of times we tried it on skin. Not, not recommended to try that at home, okay? Not a good thing. But now think about this. All the glory, all the light of the truth, he focuses at and brings it into a heart that is dead and dull and rebellious and unresponsive. Why is he doing that? Bring it into focus. So we begin to understand what God designed us for, what God saved us for, that this God shined his light that is Christ, the gospel, everything that's involved with that. And he shined it in my heart. And he shined it each one of you that are a believer. That's what he did. He shined his light into your heart. Listen to what it says. To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. You know, the, the God that did all of this, he does that so we'll be able to see him. That's what Cross Theater is all about, showing and sharing God's love. It's where God stages his love, and he does that by shining his light in our heart to give us the knowledge of the glory of God. And how does he finish this? In the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, you've had the experience of talking to somebody on the phone and then you actually get to meet them and you can put a face with their voice. Well, does the voice of God have a face? Yeah. The face is Jesus Christ. And what does God do? He just doesn't give us some moral directives to make our life better. You know what he does? He shines his light into our heart to give us the knowledge and understanding of the glory, the majesty, the brilliance of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see how it brings us back to that thing? Friends, if you're focused on anything else, if it's your family, if it's your career, if it's your diet, if it's your uh, a 401k, or, if you're focused on anything other than Jesus Christ, not saying there aren't things that deserve our attention, but we're talking about what has your heart. What is it that, that controls you? Is, is it the gospel? Is it the ministry that God's called you to? And if it's not that, you're out of focus. And you're not going to be one of those that are going to join in the great blessing of God and saying, wow, I, I want to present these things that are the result of ministry. I want to give them to Jesus Christ as a token of my worship. Because I know I didn't do this. I know that this came from God. Now, I wish we had more time to go through the next section. I love what it says. And uh, I've come to realize this. Uh, God puts the gospel in clay pots. That's what he's saying. 
He doesn't, he does it this way, so none of you will think this is about Gary Scott. You know, look at this guy. He, isn't he smart? Isn't he great? Isn't he handsome? Doesn't he have a lot of hair? You know, and so you go through all these great accolades and you begin to, and, he, and God says, no, I'm going to take the majesty of this gospel and I'm going to put it in a clay pot. You remember, we, in fact, we're all dirt balls. What does he say at the beginning? He took a hunk of dirt. He fashioned it together. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and they became a living being, a nephish hayah. That's, that's who we are because of the grace of God that we now have this life in us, and now the gospel is going to get the glory because it's the clay pot. You know, and, and the difference between a clay pot and, you know, the, the $5,000, $50,000 vase that was made someplace 1,400 years ago. And, it, he, you know, what gets the attention? That expensive vase or vase. I guess vase is more expensive than vase. You figured it out. <laughs> but you know what he does? He puts the gospel in clay jars, in people. And that's why, instead of trying to prevent, pretend that we are these amazing vases that are worth so much, no, the only thing that makes us have any worth is the gospel that God's put in our heart. And that's the ministry that God has called us to. And in fact, he says, you know, the fact is, uh, look at the phrase, we're, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despaired. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry about in our body the death of Jesus. So the life of Jesus, how did this happen? Well, it's not the clay pot. You know, it's the Savior, the one seated on the throne that makes all the difference. And then he's going to go on talking about how it's necessary when we hear those things to speak those things. But I need to come to the end, verse 16. Because I want you to conclude here, therefore, we don't lose heart. We're not going to stay out of focus. We're going to get focused. You know, we're going to continue that. We're going to renew the focus if it gets pushed in some other direction, though outwardly we're wasting away. You can look at your hair, you can look at your teeth, you can look at your feet, you can look at the body that we have that in time just begins to grow weak and more feeble and less able to respond. And so he says, though outwardly we're wasting away, what does he say? Inwardly, there's something happening. We're being renewed day by day. Now, this is not, do I brag about that? No, I simply realize this is what God's doing. We're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed. You say, yeah, but what about all the troubles I go through? What does he call them? Light and momentary, just little blips on the screen. But I'll tell you what, if you get out of focus and you focus on those, remember Peter? When he said to Jesus, invite me to come and out of the boat and walk on the water, and Peter's walking on the water, and what happened? He started looking, instead of at Jesus, he started looking at the water, and he's going down. And what he's saying here are light and momentary troubles. Yes, they're heavy, they're discouraging, they're disappointing, but they're light 
and they're temporary. And he's going to say even something more. They're purposeful. They're achieving for you an eternal weight of glory that you're going to say, no comparison. You know, what I get, what God blessed me with is no comparison. So we fix our eyes. What's that? The focus that we're talking about. The discipline, you know, of organizing things so that we don't allow anything else to take our attention. So we fix our eyes. We focus not on what's seen. It's not the world, it's not the stuff, it's not all the things that so often make up our life, but we focus on what's unseen. I really want you to think about this. Is that your focus? Is your focus the, the, the throne where Christ is seated, King of kings and Lord of lords, and everything is bad over here? You know, you're down 21 to nothing, but yet... You can see the one that's seated up. You can see the unseen. You remember Elisha? You know, when his servant said, we're in big trouble, the, the army gathered around him, and he said, open his eyes. And God opened his eyes, and he saw the angelic army. And greater are those with us than those are with them. Uh, do you see that? If you don't stay in focus... You're going to be drawn to the struggles and the problems and you're going to be the naysayer and you're going to be whining and you're going to be complaining and you're going to be frustrated and you're going to frustrate other people. But if we can stay focused and see this one seated on the throne, the glory of Jesus Christ, if we can do what it says, fix our eyes on what is unseen because what's seen is temporary. And we're looking for a city who hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, that's not to say that there will be demands placed on you with your family, with your health, with your work, with your finances. Those all need some attention. But what I'm talking about today is what has your heart. Whatever has your heart is what's going to shape your life. If it's your health... That's going to shape your life. If it's your wealth, that's going to shape your life. You know, if it's your neighbor that you're going along with and you live in order to crush him, that's going to shape your life. Friends, none of those things are worth living for. You are going to, at the end of your life, say, what a waste. But if you can bring that focus, if Grace Bible Fellowship will never lose the focus of one seated on the throne so that we'll be able to say that, that uh, 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 he made his light shine in our heart to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the challenge. You know, the challenge is to stay focused. To stay focused, not just so that you'll have a flourishing, a good life, but to stay focused for ministry. What's the ministry that God's called Grace Bible Fellowship to? What's he called you to? What's he called your family to? And there'll be all kinds of static that wants to get your attention. Friends, stay focused. Stay focused on the one who's seated on the throne. The glory of Christ 
who is the image of the true God. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we bow before you today. And Lord, we are so grateful for this passage of Scripture, how it challenges us, how it reproves us, how it it, uh, corrects us. Lord, we confess that too often we've lost our focus and Satan's strategies seem to be more effective than the light that's pierced our heart some days gone by. So, Lord, I want to pray today. I want to pray for my own heart. Lord, that uh, I will keep focused, not on the things that I can see, but the things that I can't see. That I'll stay focused, not on the temporal stuff around me, but the eternal things of glory. Father, I want to stay focused on Jesus Christ and not all the junk that makes life difficult and frustrating. Father, I want to pray that for Grace Bible Fellowship that they will get focused, they will stay focused, and when Satan distracts them, they'll renew that focus by looking afresh into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I'm so grateful that our light and momentary troubles are actually achieving for us a glorious reward in eternity. Father, I pray that you would enable us to see what those challenges are producing rather than being overwhelmed and depressed by the pain that it causes. Lord, I pray today, if there are any people here, any man, any woman, any young person, any child that has never had the light of the gospel penetrate their heart, Father, I pray that you would do that today. That, as Paul said, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see that. But Lord, you can shine your light in just as you did out of the darkness. And you can bring light where darkness has prevailed. Lord, would you do that for your glory? And Father, I pray, I know most of these people here know you and love you. And Father, I I don't know what they're struggling with. I don't know what their focus is day by day, but you know that. And Father, I I pray that you would speak to their heart this morning, that if there's something other than the glory of Jesus Christ seated on the throne that owns their heart, I pray, Father, that you would bring that heart back into focus, that you would refocus them, not on the things that are seen, not on the things that are temporal, but on the unseen things that are eternal. Father, I pray for this fellowship, that you will do much through this ministry that will uh, reflect the glory of Christ uh, to all of those we come in contact with. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.